You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Michael Ledwich back on the show with me today. He was with us just about a year ago uh, talking about his brand new Michael Gannon book, The Kickoff of a New Series. Well, today he's back to talk about Run for Cover, the brand new uh, book two in the Michael Gannon series. I loved the first book in the series, and I'll tell you what, the second one just ramps up the tension, the excitement, the adventure, and he goes places I never expected him to go. Um, Michael, I love the new book. Super excited to talk about it. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Hank, thank you so much. It's uh, great to be back. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, Michael, I was listening back uh, to last year's episode, um, just, just refreshing my memory and kind of, you know, figuring out what, what ground we covered and, and what was left to cover and all that good stuff. And I realized that when I talked to you last year, which was March 3rd, if I, uh, remember right, that's right. I, I had just gotten out of the hospital with COVID, um, the day before. And, no uh, yes. And, um, I was listening back and, and my, my, my voice was just shredded and, you know, I'd been coughing a lot and all this stuff. And, and we didn't wow. really, we didn't really know what we were facing with COVID at the time. And, um, you know, it, and the week later, uh, the week after that, uh, it, everything locked down and, and we right. went into what has been, you know, the year of, of 2020. The um, forgotten year. Yeah. The forgotten year. Right. So um, I, I would like to start um, because, you know, we've had lots of conversations about what a, a, a nationwide pandemic has meant for creative people and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, but since you and I talked at really this, this interesting time, um, what has it been like since then for you? Because right after we talked, we went into this lockdown. You were working on Run for Cover then, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, how did that affect the writing of this book or, you know, your, your editing yeah. process and, and all, of, all of that, the, all the work that went into the book we're talking about today during, you know, a, a worldwide pandemic? Yeah, uh, very strange, right? It's strange for every, everybody, uh, people from all walks of life. Um, uh, I, actually, the, the book is pretty much done before that uh before it hit but um but yeah a lot of people are talking about it and uh and asking about how uh how does this affect people like what you write about and and uh, things of this nature but uh, uh to my mind i mean because i i know some writers have said oh you know uh people w- might want to include covid in plot and plots of their stories or whatever uh to my mind i think people um need escape yes <laughs> Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm um, done with COVID. I don't think they want to read about what's going on right now. You know, I think yeah. they'd rather read about um, t- things that would take their mind off of c- the kind of stress of all this stuff. So uh, to my mind, you know, I'm just going to keep going along with, uh, uh, you know, 
with stories where, you know, COVID's not going to really be a theme. Yeah. Or, or, or even included, just let's pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> and it, an interesting thing is, uh, you know, for writers, for uh, most writers that I know um, are, are fairly solitary people. Um, we, we tend to work in a room by ourselves most of the day, you know, just our laptop or, or notebook or whatever it is that you write with. And, um, you know, the fact that the rest of the world is shut down shouldn't have much of an effect, uh, you know, on the, the day-to-day proceedings of a writer's life. Um, but there's something about being told, you know, that the rest of the world is shut down and you can't go do this and you can't do that, even though it, it may not hinder you, you know, walking to your computer to write each day. Um, right. Has, has that affected you in any way, even if it's just, you know, mentally or, or uh, you know, the, yeah, the, how I mean, you interact with other people? Um, it, it, uh, I, you're right about the, the fact that, um, uh, I think, you know, for, for, I can't just speak for all writers, but for me, um, this is the way that I live anyway. You know, like, right. just like you said, you know, I, I work from home and I don't commute anywhere. Um, it's just changing, you know, going to get food and things of this nature, um, and go, going to church and what have you. But, um, uh, you know, it's funny. It's, um, I see a lot more people walking around my uh, neighborhood, uh, which I didn't see before because I, I live in the like in the <laughs> suburbs of, of Hartford County in Connecticut, and uh, most of the people around me are kind of corporate people, and uh, usually there'd be nobody. I'd go for my walk, I wouldn't see a soul, and now I go out, I see family. I mean, just it's actually kind of nice. People walking their dogs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, oh, there's a, there's other people who live, who actually live here. That's good. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I mean that that's one aspect of it. Um, but yeah, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, this is kind of the way that I that I live anyway. You know, yeah, exa- yeah. exactly what you said. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's enough talk about COVID. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, sure. when, when we talked last time, Michael, you you told me this great story of um, when you and your your now wife, when she was your girlfriend, um, you started writing these these fake ransom notes, and it, you you, you, said, <laughs> you know that like this was. This was the start of your. This is the start of my crime writing career. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did yeah. you ever? What I wanted to ask you is, did you ever get her to actually try one? Oh, to just slip it to the, <laughs> to the teller? No way. <laughs> what are you crazy? No way. Right. She's, I was. She's I was, smart for that. And, you know, it's actually funny because her her dad, my father in law, he passed away, but uh, he was an he actually was an FBI agent. Oh, wow. Yeah. So no way. I mean, the, the father would be called in to, to investigate the robbery. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a that's a, a definite twist, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually interesting. Her dad, uh, his first case was actually a very famous case. Uh, he was uh, 23 years old. Um, he got sent down to Birmingham, Alabama for the uh, the Baptist church bombing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was his first case. Wow. Yeah, Boy, they, I really? bet he has some stories. He had, yes, tons of stories. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, we know that you started your uh, your publishing career around 1999. Is that right? 1999. Yeah, it, it actually took it took a little while to get started. I actually I wrote my first novel when I was uh, 26 because right now I'm 50, but I I wrote my first novel. I was uh, 26 years old in 1996, but it actually took a couple of years because. Um, the publisher at the time, uh, Atlantic Monthly Press. If you remember, there's a very big book 
that came yeah. out right right when uh when I, my book got sold um cold mountain yes yeah which is a super big hit and it was a kind of a small publishing house so <laughs> and the um the head of the publishing house a uh, famous guy morgan entrican this editor great guy um, and, but he kept, he had all these things to do. So, but he wanted to personally edit my book. So he kind of put it off. I was like, come on, let's give it to somebody else already. He's like, but it took a long time for the, but it was great because he's such a great editor. Um, but it was funny cause it was delayed, but, uh, um, yeah. So yeah, that was a while ago. That that's, uh, uh, that brings up an interesting, uh, question I want to ask you when, when there are these these kind of touchstone moments in publishing where a, a book comes out and it just, you know, goes, uh, you know, interstellar and uh, it, just, it just blows up. And then, you you know, movies are made of it and, and, and that sort of thing as a, a new writer or as a, uh, a, a seasoned writer, like you are now, do, do those other things that happen in the publishing industry, do they have any effect on, on you? Uh, it, like when, when these big monumental moments and these books break out, does that affect all other writers, uh, it, it, good, bad, or, uh, you know, does, does everyone reading, um, affect, uh, the reading public in general that does it help when, when something gets people reading? Yeah. I mean, it, it, You know, you have to, it was great for, for the publishing house because yeah. they, you know, they were just, everybody was really happy and you, and you were part of the whole thing. I remember I went to, they, were, they had a Christmas party. They invited me to the Christmas party. There's a lot of big smiles because it was a very small house. And they were, I mean, literally were making millions and millions of dollars because that book was like, it was number one for like, over a year or something. I mean, it was a phenomenal hit. And uh, so, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to be around that kind of success and everything like that. So I thought that that was terrific. And, but then, like I said, there was this kind of delay where I, I wanted the book to come out faster than it did, but you know, whatever, it all worked out in the end. But um, yeah. And I, you know, and I mean, uh, I, and then after that, it, it, I wrote two, two other novels and then I started working with uh, the world's bestselling author, James Patterson. So that was another kind of going back to this, uh, uh, this incredible, you know, just being around all this incredible success. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, you know, even if it's not you personally being, you know, lauded, just to be around it is amazing. I mean, it's uh, you, you learn so much and you come into contact with a lot of really uh, um, top notch professional people and you learn, a, you learn a lot, you know, so it's all good. I mean, it, it, you know, even if it's not you personally, if you're even around it, it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring to you because you, you say to yourself, you know, uh, hopefully one day I'll get my, my shot, you know, to, uh, to, to share something similar, you know, this is the kind of the, the dream of, I think every writer wants to be successful. We want to have like, you know, uh, lots and lots of people read the book, you know, even if, you know, the money, obviously people want, want to pay, pay their bills and everything, but, um, uh, but it's just, it's, it, I think it's just so wonderful, um, uh, having people just read the book and, and enjoy the book, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As many people as possible. Uh, right. It, absolutely. More people reading means that all of us benefit. Absolutely. Um, you, um, you published quite a number of books, and and like you mentioned, um, you wrote several uh, books with James Patterson. Had a, a great publishing relationship with him. L looking back, uh, back to nineteen ninety nine, and and then you know through to to current day, can can you see how your writing process has changed uh, over that time? Uh, you know, I, I know that you said that personally when when you're writing for you. 
Um, you're you're more of a discovery writer, but not a pure discovery writer. Um, and and then of course when you're working with another author, you, when you, when you've got two people working, things need to be planned out a little more. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, just to to keep each other you know on track and keep that that flow going. Um, right. But but how have you seen your process change and the way you think about stories uh, over this twenty almost twenty five years? Yeah. Um, well, in the in the very beginning, I uh, I was definitely more of a, a discovery writer. Uh, you know, when I, when I first started out, especially uh, during, you know with, with my first novel, I didn't even know where it was kind of going. You know, I just kind of started it and um, built it sentence by sentence. You know, and it came out good. It came out. You know, a lot of people liked it. Um, but, uh, one of the, one of the really cool things about, um, once I started working with James Patterson, I was able to, uh, we were so successful. I was able to kind of, I, to, I worked at, for the telephone company. I was able to uh, retire and work full time as a writer, which is great. Again, dream come true. Uh, but one of the coolest things is like, even when I wasn't, uh, working real hard to, uh, keep this wonderful job with, uh, James Patterson, um, it was so great. I had so much time to do research and, and I had so much time to just read. Cause I, I always, you know, I have a lifelong love of reading like most writers, but uh, to delve into the, the, all the processes of, of writing, reading about other writers, how they did it, you know, really kind of researching the whole process of writing. Uh, and I've read so many things like philosophy. I, I just had all this time to read to, and to read the things that I wanted to read. And so, um, I, yeah, so I've, you know, again, you, you get a little bit older and, um, it's less of, you know, cause I, I think in the beginning, I think, I don't know if this is true of other writers, but you kind of just say, Oh, you kind of try to you more kind of pitching your whole, whole yourself to say, Oh, well, this is the way that, that I did it before. I should keep doing it this way. But the older that you get, the more you realize, no, why don't I just explore how other people do it and try that so that, I mean, and today I think I'm kind of the opposite. I, I, I don't really do I discover. I mean, once I kind of come up with the general kind of plot or, or of a story or whatever, uh, I will outline I, I, I usually outline a lot and I do a lot of research before I, I really get started with the process of writing. So it's actually kind of come full circle. I'm, I'm the opposite now. I'm a, you know, I'm a super, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a super outliner. Cause again, I've been at this for a long time because, and you'll try, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. So it's like, okay, let me try it this way. You know, like uh, you're just more open the longer that you do anything I'd say. Right. So, right. yeah. So I'm kind of the opposite now. I, re, you know, I think if, you know, to a beginning writer, if they, if they kind of saw what I, the, the way that I do it now, they'd be like, oh, I don't know. That seems too kind of analytical or something. But it's like, hey, stick around, kid, for a while. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll do anything. You don't care anymore. You know, you'll, you'll try anything. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website your home on the web where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, Update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. 
pub site was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. You know... well, last year when when the first book in the series came out, um, I I loved the story and um, the, the the characters were were great and and you know I was I was thinking well this this really has potential. Well now book two run for covers out. Michael Gannon is is more nuanced. Um, we we see more about him. Uh, you know he comes off of uh, it. And, you know, I don't want to give away too much for people that might not have read book one yet. Um, but after the the end of book one, um, we find him in a completely different um, setting for book two, and, which I thought was great. Um, but thinking back to um, to where this began, uh, what were what were some of the first things about the character of Michael Gannon that intrigued you enough that? that you won, you wanted to write him and what, it, what was it about him that, that let you know that, uh, that this could be a series, you know, that he was a guy who could carry a series forward. Right. Um, it's funny. I mean, uh, when I first, I it didn't start out with Michael Gannon as, as, as a series character, it really started out. I, I, I've had this idea because I, because my, my first couple novels were, um, kind of really hard boiled crime stories. More kind of kind of Quentin Tarantino esque. Um, they were like my first book was a heist book. Um, more of this kind of uh, uh, noirish kind of crime stuff. And so I always had in the back of my head uh, sort of a noir story about instead of um, there's a great story. I forget the name of the story, but there's a great Cornell Woolrich um, like a novel. A crime novel about a chauffeur 
who becomes um, romantically involved. He's a chauffeur for a gangster, and he becomes mm. a romantic, and all this crazy stuff happens. Yeah. So I always thought I, that I, I always had in the back of my head what I wanted to do was kind of update that story and have the chauffeur be the pilot of a private jet. <laughs> Right. To kind of update it and have the gangster be like some kind of billionaire guy or whatever. And so that was really so I had the story in the back of my head for a long, long time, for years. And um, so then so when I kind of sat down and kind of think of what's the next book I'm going to do, I I had this idea. So I had this idea squarely in mind. And I just read uh, No Country for Old Men. The uh, Cormac McCarthy. Right. And And I said to myself. And just, you know, one thing kind of connected to the, to the other. And I said to myself, oh, you know, so I had this, this whole jet thing in my head about some kind of gangster with, with, with a plane full of whatever, with money or whatever, drugs or whatever. And, and then this idea of the plane crashing in the ocean. And actually, and, the, and the, the whole character of Gannon came out of the whole thing by saying, well, if, if somebody saw this plane crash in the ocean, you know, and, and let's say, the, you know, the, pl- the plane's under the water. That he'd be a diver, so and then it kind of came out of that kind of uh, organically to say like, okay, so what kind of person could this be? What could his background be? And I said, oh wait, maybe he's a Navy SEAL, and and that's where the whole kind of germ of the story came from. And and one thing just builds on another, and and yeah. it, it kind of that that process. I love that. Um, yeah, it, it came out of the situation. Like what? Right. I, like I, so who's the, who's going to be the the main character? It, that came after this, I could, this kind of intense situation. And then the, the character came after that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I even, right, right. So, yeah. So it was cool. It worked out. I, I really thought, cause and then when I started writing, I said, man, this is, this could be a series guy. You know, yeah. I didn't know myself before I started writing. Well, it makes perfect sense that, that that's how character builds. The more you learn about him, the, the more possibilities open up. Right. So you, you described, um, Last time, this this idea that you have about preparing to write a book, and you described it as like getting the groceries, um, yes. where you you kind of inform yourself on as many things as as you feel are pertinent to the story ahead of time, and then when you sit down to write, uh, then you have all of this you know knowledge that you've built up to pull from, and and right. it, it's not like line by line research; it's more like like you said, getting the groceries. You've got the kitchen stocked now. What what do I do with these ingredients? Right. Um, and again, and again I, I took that idea. That idea is actually, I didn't invent that. That's from uh, a writer. He used to write for the New Yorker. His name is John McPhee. And he wrote about geology or something like that. Right. And, yeah. And uh, so uh, he said, this was his method. I said, oh, th- I like this. I'm going to try this. <laughs> I'll borrow. <laughs> That's when you get older, you don't care. I'll steal a little bit. I don't care. You know? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, especially yeah. the ones who are already dead. They, they can <laughs> complain if I borrow a little technique from them, you know? So. Oh, oh yeah. We're, we're yeah. all building on each other. That's. Oh, sure. That's right. It's, yeah, we're all sharing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So my question is for for run for cover. Um, you know, you've got this great setting. We're out west uh, near the right. Grand Teton, yeah, um, which is which is a completely different setting from the first book. Right. Um, so I, so I love that. Uh, you know, immediately. But what what were some of the the grocery getting that you did for this book? Oh, uh, let's see. For uh, oh, there's uh, um, 
What did I do for that? Well, you know, doing a lot of research about uh, these states. I've never been to them. Um, and uh, let's see, you know, you know, it's great if you go on YouTube. There's a lot of great uh, like Utah Tourism Board, you know, hey, come to Utah and, you know, they'll, 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 they'll go out and they'll do interesting things and they'll show, to inter- you know, interesting uh, places and settings and everything like that. Uh, but, I, you know, I definitely um, chose to do something because, you know, the first book is set a lot in the Caribbean and at the beach. I definitely want to say, OK, so what's kind of the opposite of that? You know, for the second book, let's take it to a wholly different, totally different place. So up in the mountains of, you know, Wyoming or, you know, uh, the uh, high desert, I, I figured that's about as opposite as, as you can get. I mean, maybe Antarctica could be different, but, uh, you know, from the Caribbean. So. One of the fun things about writing a series um, like this is that there's so much about the character of Michael Gannon that you get to tease out from from book to book um, that if you included all of the things that we will eventually learn about him in one book, it would be a doorstop of a novel and you would you would eventually lose people because there's just, you know, too much of an info dump. But with a series character, you get to to tease that out book over book. Um, are there things about Michael Gannon that you're still learning, uh, you know, in as each book goes along? Or, or do you have a, a grand master plan of, you know, in book eight, I'm going to drop this bomb? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there, no, there's no real great grandmaster plan. Um, although I, I do have ideas for what, what I, you know, I have ideas for what I want my, him to do. Uh, yeah. But yeah, in, concerning his backstory, yeah, that's something that I kind of do when I, when I sit down to actually do the writing. You know, so that's when that that kind of creative. Um, yes, definitely. While you're writing stuff just goes, oh, well, maybe he's like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he would do that. OK. Yeah. Where that kind of comes out organically after I got my groceries, you know what I mean? After I got my research done and everything and I sit down, OK, I'm going to I'm going to start to arrange this in the way, in, you know, in the, in the best way possible. Uh, that's when that kind of stuff kind of, you know, all these kind of. Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. You know, so you really it gives you like another chance to for your kind of, I guess, your subconscious, whatever, to kind of get another, gives it another, wait a second, what about this? It's like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, so the, like there's a surprise for the, for the writer, it, it, you know, sure. for me anyway. So, so yeah. And so no, I, I, I don't you know, know exactly who he is. No, I'm, I'm discovering him too. Definitely. That's great. That's, well, and, and one of the other great things is that we get to meet new characters along the way. And, and yeah. um, the, the character of Ganon gets more rich um, by his interactions with with other characters that you bring in. Um, and of course, uh, you know, one of the most dynamic characters in, in this book uh, is is Kit Hagen. Um, where did Kit come from? Kit Hagen. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, where did he come from? Um, well, let's see. It's funny. I mean, um, I, I think a lot of characters, uh, the writers you know, come up with, it's only, it's an amalgam of like tons of people that you've met in your life. Right. So, I mean, who is she? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I had two sisters, uh, <laughs> I got a wife, I got daughters, I got, um, my, you know, my mother, my mother-in-law, you know, uh, plenty of, uh, plenty of women, uh, I've known in my life, um, who have driven nuts, uh, <laughs> you know, um, to kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, to go, and, you know, and people that I've worked with and blah, blah. So, 
Um, yeah, I think it's an amalgam. You know, it's not just one particular person. And and again, you know, because because she's an FBI agent, and and we kind of know what her, you know, what FBI agents do, what investigators do. So it kind of stems from that. Like you know, so a lot of the stuff that she's doing is what any investigator would do. But and then yeah, and you color it. with, you know, that you've known in the past, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, did, did, uh, did, did Michael need a foil, uh, or, or a, you know, where did you come to a point in the story and you're like, I really need a character that I can give, um, these abilities to, and, and I can, you know, did, did she come about as a necessity for the story or were, were you, were you thinking about new characters, uh, or did did she come about as that this would be a great way to solve this problem that I'm having, and then she, you know, just kind of becomes larger than life? Yeah, I mean, to my mind, I think one of the one of the things that I just keep finding myself, uh, I keep finding myself doing, is um, one of the especially when I'm, when I'm writing thrillers, right? Because to, to my mind, I think one of the greatest thrillers of all time is. Um, uh, the Eye of the Needle by Ken Follett. Yeah. I read that when I was like probably in high school and I thought, man, this book is so good. And just the way that he sets the whole thing up and the way that he structures it, where he has these three characters, right? He has the, the spy, he has the guy looking for him and he has this woman, right? Who's on the island, whatever, where the spy ends up on the island. Um, so like just this whole idea of like this, of having these three characters, kind of the good guy, the bad guy, and a third character who's like a helper or a foil or the, um, uh, the subplot, you know, who kind of connects, goes through it to, you know, to this kind of curveball of a character who kind of goes through it. That, that seems to me to be the, the truly the best way to do it, to really kind of keep it popping, to keep the, the reader's interest to have like these three, you know, like juggling throw these three balls up in the air, you know, and each right. plays against each plays against the other one. And I think that is truly the way to kind of, you know, in, or three card money where you, you move the, the, the cups around, right. You know, to kind of really keep the, keep the reader, keep the reader's interest going, you know, I mean, and this, again, this is one of the things that, uh, uh, working with, with James Patterson and, uh, all the wonderful things I learned from him, uh, is that really, I mean, you got to keep those pages turning. You got to keep people's curiosity at a, at a high pitch. Uh, cause this is what, I mean, and cause again, this is the joy of, of reading for myself. And this is what I really, you know, I'm really trying to do um, to give that back to the to the reader. Absolutely. So at the end of book one, um, it, it stop at nothing. Um, we know that Gannon has been through a trial, uh, or and, and and a trial, a, a personal trial, not not like a courtroom trial. Right. Um, and and he he finds himself, you know, kind of licking his wounds uh, a little bit. Um, what where do we find him in book two? And we've alluded to. A, a few things here, but let's, let's set this book up for people. Um, he's, he's out West. Why does he find himself out West? And, and, uh, and, and what, what does Gannon get into in this book? Right. So, uh, so uh, in the first book, stop at nothing. Um, uh, Michael Gannon finds himself, uh, banging heads with some, Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so uh, in the, he finds himself 
in the first story, he uh, starts banging heads with uh, some intelligence people, let's say, let's call them. Uh, And uh, there's shootouts. There's a lot lot of dangerous things happen. He finds himself having to uh, uh, shoot shoot back in self-defense. And so after all this stuff happens in this in the second book, he, he, he says to himself, well, you know, a lot of crazy stuff has happened. Maybe it's best if I kind of keep my head down now, right? Since, since all this stuff happened. So he's, he's basically, uh, he, uh, he calls an old friend of his, uh, this guy, John Barber, who was an old war buddy of his, because uh, Michael Gannon um, was in, uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan with, with the Navy SEALs. So he uh, calls up an old uh, war buddy, uh, this guy, John Barber, who runs a, um, uh, one of these kind of executive um, training camps out in Utah in the, in the wilds of Utah. And so um, Michael Gannon finds himself kind of keeping his head down, kind of trying to stay off the grid, trying to keep stay out of everybody's hair uh, up until there's a, a, a triple murder uh, at a nearby national park. And that's what kind of it draws him out of hiding. And uh, that's how he finds himself uh, hooked up with Kit Hagen because she's involved in, in this in this murder and uh, in, in the investigation of it. And it goes on from there. So um, what can people expect from this book? If, if they loved book one, um, what do you do to to ramp up the tension and to to make us keep coming back for more from Gannon? Yeah, I mean, um, as in the first book, there it, there's um, there's. In, in Publishers Weekly, they said the fans of, of Die Hard will love this series. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which is absolutely, you know, was intentional, completely intentional. Uh, I take that as a massive compliment because Die Hard is one of my favorite films. Um, so this is right. So think, you know, it's like a think Die Hard meets sort of the Born Identity. You know, <laughs> That's so a great description. Sort of spy stuff going on. And um, but yeah, so. It, it, and then you set it, let's say, and, and it's set in, 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 the, in the Midwest it's, or, the, or the West, in Wyoming, in Utah. And, uh, and there's other locations, too. The, the, he goes to San Francisco. Uh, there's, there's stuff in Washington, D.C. and what have you. So it's it, much like the first book. There, there's jumping around to different locations, uh, which is kind of a hallmark of thrillers, right? The, the, the settings change. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, you hop around. I try to keep it popping. And um, but uh, yeah, so you're going to get, you know, some really cool shootout scenes and stuff like that. And um, and all and, and, and suspense and tension. And uh, I think what is it they say about thrillers is that, it, you know, difference between a thriller and a mystery is that uh, mysteries are about, you know, who who did what. Uh, thrillers are about, uh, you know, uh, when is the killer going to strike? Right. Right. Yeah. Watch. And, you know, we know that all oh, the killers around the corner, but the character doesn't know, you know, um, so, yeah, so the so it has definitely leans more toward thriller stuff. But this one is more of a mystery because he is investigating something. Um, so there's, it's a bit of both, but it leans more toward thriller. Whereas I, the first book was pure thriller. There's a little there's a there's a bit of more mystery in this one, but not a lot. Love it. The book is run for cover. The second book in the Michael Gannon series. It's available everywhere now in Kindle edition or hardcover or audiobook. However you like to consume books, you can grab it today. We're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode, as well as uh, a link to uh, Stop at Nothing, the the first book in the series. Uh, although you 
I don't think you necessarily need to read book one to enjoy book two. Um, I think you should. I, I think it's uh, you know it's it's going to paint a, a much a much better picture uh, yeah. of the character of Gannon and all he's going through. Um, Michael, this has been so much fun chatting and catching up. Um, how can people connect with you online if they want to dig into all the great stuff that you've done and are doing? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at it's like uh, what is it the dash Mike Ledwidge the not it's not a dash a space Mike Ledwidge. Uh, at, you know, at space Mike Ledwidge on Twitter and uh, I also have a website MichaelLedwidge.com if you can go check out there you can see all the books and all the stuff I did with James Patterson and uh, yeah awesome we'll put links there uh, to uh, to make sure people can connect with you uh, Michael thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show thank you so much Hank I really appreciate it it's great talking to you authors if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be Look no farther than Pico's house. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's house is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. The Bad Company Complete Series Omnibus, books one through seven. Humanity's greatest export, justice. Space is a dangerous place, even for the wary, especially for the unprepared. The aliens have no idea. Here comes the Bad Company. The Bad Company Book 1, Colonel Terry Henry Walton, takes his warriors into battle for a price in this first installment of The Bad Company. He believes in the moral high ground and is happy to get paid for his role in securing it. Set in the Cutharian Gambit universe, Terry, Char, and their people-humans, werewolves, were-tigers, and vampires form the core of The Bad Company's direct action branch, a private conflict solution enterprise. Join them as they fight their way across Tissakinan 4, where none of the warring parties were what they expected. The seven-book series Omnibus includes The Bad Company, Blockade, Price of Freedom, Liberation, Destroyer, Discovery, Overwhelming Force. Grab the complete Bad Company series by Craig Martell now. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Anderley. Virtutus Gloria Mercies. Translation? Glory is the reward of valor. Fed up with playing the normal game, recent university graduate, ex-cum laude, ex-soccer star, ex-popular and mostly broke Cara Madano changes her life when she decides to research how to be a witch and believes it. Cara didn't want to go back east and deal with her overbearing mom, so when university was done, she stayed behind in Los Angeles. Little did she realize how controlling moms can be from the other side of the country. Feeling a little desperate to make her own way, she buys a few books on business and one on a lark, How to Be a Badass Witch. That's when the trouble started. Find out just what trouble a young woman can get into when the magic just might be real. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Andrews.